0: Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode was recorded about two months ago, and I just listened to the whole thing. And I have to tell you, I really enjoy this topic I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer Oladipo. So no messing around today. Let's get to it. Today, my guest is Jennifer Oladipo. She was recently a senior account executive at the huge agency and uh, is currently the principal at X Editorial. She's previously been a guest on Life Science Marketing Radio. Jennifer, welcome back. Hi, Chris. Um, I'm really excited about this one. So we're going to talk about transparency and telling your company story. And this started because um, you sent me an email about my conversation with Tamson Webster that I did it back in January. And we've been discussing telling a company story through this idea of the red thread. And then maybe I said something about the importance of real conversations, which is uh, kind of a theme I'm working around this year. And that is becoming more relevant every day because it's becoming a bigger challenge for companies or organizations to be heard and believed um, in the current environment, especially um, we're recording this the week that Facebook is, um, uh, I know. shall we say, <laughs> trying to get over this Cambridge Analytica hurdle and what that's going to mean for all of us as marketers. Um, so, uh, and then so Jen Jennifer sent me a link to an article that she had written in the upstate business journal, and that's upstate South Carolina, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I presume is everything that's not the low country. I have friends who live in Charleston,
1: but my knowledge. Yeah, we've got the upstate, the midlands, and the low country. So right. we're up in the corner <laughs> in the <laughs> mountain,
0: kinda. And it's entitled Sincerity Sells, so dig deep. So Jennifer just to start out, give us the basic premise of your article.
1: Yeah. So, what I was really trying to get across was that, um, and this came this comes out of um, you had mentioned that I was with Hughes Agency, so I was um, on the PR day to day for a big um, Fortune 200 company, and it was just a very interesting experience um, to to try to talk with them about. Um, about that transparency uh, thing, you know, when, when you've got publicly traded companies, things get a little bit tricky. So it was, you know, always trying to figure out, like, how can we really talk about what's going on without saying too much or making mistakes and that kind of thing. But I thought it was a really valuable lesson for a lot of people um, in, in going back and looking at also what I'd done on the other side, being a journalist for several years. And what the stories that resonated with folks the most were hands down the ones where the subjects, regardless of who they were, revealed, you know, something true about themselves and their business that was, that was unexpected and you know a, a little bit vulnerable even. Um, so that's where that came from. Was just trying to think of like you know where where are the good stories? What are the ones that again and again and again ring with people, get the feedback, get the traction, and all that kind of stuff? And that that's a big part of what I've found.
0: And you use this word that some people may be familiar with. I think you get it when you see it, but um, explain flawsome to us.
1: Yeah, I, I love that term. So that was kind of a marketing trend. And so for anyone who's not familiar, that's flaw, like uh, F-L-A-W and awesome. And the words are put together to be flawsome. And that's really just kind of um, looking at the awesomeness in, in in flaws, um, and imperfections because they really um, resonate with folks. It's not a perfect world out there, and so it's companies kind of getting on this trend of not trying to look perfect all the time, not trying to look like everything is okay all the time. Um, but specifically, though, doing that in their marketing efforts. So we're not talking about you know sending out a memo or or a press release or that kind of thing. This is really taking advantage of that transparency and of that either, you know, whoops, we made a mistake or oh, anyway, we're not perfect and using that in their marketing messages. And I um, did a little bit of research on this, just some quick research. And I was remembering it from about 10 years ago um, is, is when that term kind of started to Pop up among marketers, and when companies started making this trend, um, the interesting thing, though, people are philosophy um, You still hear sometimes, but whether or not you're hearing it, that there's been a real resurgence in the past. I would say, um, you know, eighteen months or so, eighteen to twenty-four months of of that attitude again. It kind of w- wasn't so popular then now again we're seeing a lot more transparency and a lot more ownership of mistakes but not just that um, when we don't see it I've noticed then then the public and customers are much more upset than they used to be so for instance we were talking about the Facebook thing you know instantly Facebook is getting called out for not responding immediately and not just with a, um, you know, w- we'll look into this, but with something that seems sincere and true and honest, at least it seems like there's been a mistake and we'll try. You know what I mean? So that's what's kind of interesting about what's happening now. Not only have marketers claimed this uh, kind of flossom type of marketing and transparency, but now the public, because of what's been going on over the last several years, has just expects it as a default.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I think it's Important. I think it's it can be powerful. Um, it's in a powerful import, or uh, it's in a, it's a powerful element of storytelling. Um, and not to say that your company is the hero of your story, but most heroes in a story have a flaw and. There is a change that happens. And so when you're telling the story about yourself, which we can, we'll get into whether that's the right strategy or not. But in this case, that is what we're talking about is when you have to talk about yourself, what stories resonate. So, um, I'm going to link to an article that Mark Schaefer put on his blog. Um, it's called three reasons why your company storytelling, um, it just doesn't work anymore. (laughs) and I'm going to actually try to get him on the podcast because um, I know he and Tamson Webster have a connection because he does a podcast with her husband. So oh. maybe this will all come together because I'd like to get his point of view on this, but he, he writes this article and talks about how hard it is for companies to be believed. And if you tell these bright shining stories about how awesome you are or what great things you do for the community, it's still seen as an ad and, um, But you and he both point out in your articles the kind of things that that move people, Um, and some of that is what you've learned as part of your business, often based on a mistake. So why do you think that? How do you think that's different from um, talking about all the great things you do for your community, for example?
1: Yeah, so let me let me uh, first, um, I pulled up this definition from trend watching um, on, on Flossum and they um, kind of succinctly put it as brands that show some empathy, generosity, humility, flexibility, maturity, humor, um, character and humanity. So that's kind of the grab all for showing one or more of those things um, that was kind of their definition of Flossum. But I think the difference is, um, Bit to your question, the difference between telling the, the bright shining story and telling the stories of what's actually happening in your organization is that um, those those big stories, they're just really not so relatable anymore. They're entertaining for sure um, to have the story that says, um, you know, our company is charging forward, making miracles every day and, and that kind of thing. and And that's That's fine, but it's not really relatable because most people are not making miracles every day. Most people are making mistakes every day and most people are showing up to work, um, especially in the kind of B2B, you know, situation with most of the folks that I worked uh, with, you know, people are showing up to work, doing their best, putting their passion into it and, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, sometimes the goals are huge, but sometimes the goals are just to keep things together. And so I think when you are relating to folks on that level and not trying to be superhuman, um it resonates a lot a lot more quickly and a lot more deeply,
0: yeah. And so the first word in that list was empathy, which is um, I think, really. To me, that's the essence of all this—those conversations and where I think all this is going. On. I'm, I'm a little nervous sitting here. I'm thinking that word is going to start to be overused and lose its value. But <laughs> this is really what these stories are about: is creating empathy in the people that you're trying to reach, so that they feel what you feel, or you show them that you feel what they feel. And absolutely. And I think that's the power of of good storytelling i like um something you said in the article uh, when you're suggesting how people um, choose these stories and think about the stories that work for you the ones that you like to tell again and again and you say to look for stories that quote tug on a string somewhere inside you that resonates for whatever reason and you like the sound um And I I think that's it. People want to hear stories about people like them or or wonder what it's like to be somebody else or know that, you know what, we all screw up. Your company isn't perfect. What did you learn? How can I learn with you?
1: Yeah. and, And also to know that, okay, even if you didn't necessarily make some huge mistake or screw up, you you recognize that it could be better. Um, you know, that's a, that's another thing, too, is that just, you know, I, I don't uh, want folks to think that in being transparent, you have to, you know, lay out all your cards about everything that's <laughs> wrong with your company, heaven forbid, but, yeah. but, you know, being an organization that does not have – Superhuman goals accomplished by superhuman people, but as very real human goals accomplished by real people, and um, that matters. And sometimes that changes. That needs to change because the times change, uh, the industry changes, your customer base changes, the needs change. And so, sh- even having enough transparency to show that you were responsive in that moment uh, when it was needed, and that maybe it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy. It maybe required some going back to the drawing board to refigure things and making some difficult changes. Those kinds of things matter to people who are, you know, essentially going to make an investment with you, Um, especially in life sciences. You know, we're talking about a lot of long sales funnels, you know, a lot of um, big checks being written. And so people need to like to get a sense of, I guess, the kind of relationship they're going to have with you.
0: Yeah, that's... um I'm glad you brought that up because um, those life science companies or other technology companies, first of all, are very private about their internal workings and don't always like to give away too much. And sometimes their customers don't want to talk too much. But um, if you can find those stories among your customers about how something changed for them. And I mean, this is a typical formula for a case study. But I I think if you can make it really moving and personal for for an individual, not just like we made science better, we discovered this thing, but what it meant for that person to make a new discovery or something along those lines, I think it can be really powerful. and, And you really are, as you say, showing what that relationship with your company is like.
1: Yeah, those personally, you know, those get me um, when you've seen how someone has really struggled and put a lot into, you know, late nights and, and whatever in the lab or at the computer, just, just trying to solve a problem and figure something out and, and what they've put into it and and how much they are elevated by, by their successes and, um, but you're getting to see that. You're not just getting the pretty product and the, at the end and, and you know, here, here's what we did and here's how, you know, how great it is. But here's how we did it. I I always find that very – I often find that very moving.
0: Right. Yeah, I think – it and sometimes it's a long journey and it might take a little more investment. But um, I think it's a story that's waiting to be told, honestly. Um, so the things that you point out that make telling these transparent – revelations engaging are not just the sequence of events of a story like this happened, then that happened, and then that happened, but how the person felt while it was happening. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, uh, two reasons. You know, I mean, one, a sequence of events is is not a story that's a an instruction manual ding, or ding, a, ding, you ding know you. a map <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a reference material so and we have those in different sections of the library and the bookstore for a reason they're they're different experiences so um but one is uh i think just um from my years of interviewing people you ask people how they feel and and you actually want to hear the answer um you get very surprising information. And so, for those folks who are out there thinking about building stories this way, I would recommend not being too stuck on you know what transparency is going to look like for your organization. Be open to things because people can be very surprising. I've heard all kinds of um, information from people who, again, they're on the job, you know, often in some kind of technical, uh, manufacturing technology, whatever. Um, but their their motivation is something that's completely outside of what anyone would think, and and you get that from asking. Well, you know, how, how does it, how did do, how does it feel when that worked, or you know, how did you feel when it didn't work? Was it you know, were you determined, were you frustrated? Um, did you have to give up and put it away for a while? And you just hear a lot of interesting things. So one reason to go with emotion is just because you're going to get surprises, and that means you know, whomever is receiving your ultimate message is going to get surprises, and we like that. And, and that feels good when we've spent our time with some piece of marketing and left, you know, a little bit surprised, a little bit delighted. Um, and the second reason um, to go with emotion is just kind of just a more m- mechanical thing is that's how stories turn. That's how you um, move people from one place to another. Any, any type of, you know, oral stories, anything that lasts, is it all hinges on emotion. That's why we have superheroes, um, because of the way they make people feel. Um, because of the way people feel when they're vulnerable, because of the way they feel when that person shows up, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, even, even that other kind of advertising is, you know, or um, uh, marketing messages, they're, they're built on emotion. So, it's just kind of a, a really practical thing is to get emotion into the story.
0: I love it. And I'm going to add a third. When you hear those reasons that were surprises, which do make for awesome stories, you're learning something about the marketing you could be doing, right? You, the more Absolutely. of those you hear, you, you say, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was important to anybody, <laughs> right? And then you go, <laughs> "Absolutely." Who else, who else has that problem? How can we help them? So, um, there's always a little bit of market research when you really dig in for how people feel. Um,
1: yeah, and let me just let me just um, throw in something else because I recently wrote something about um, kind of digging into different places in your organization to find marketing stories, and a lot of folks are, are have a lot of information, and they're not being asked about the their day to day and the emotions that they are having day to day. Be they kind of your um, people who are answering the phones or dealing with the emails, or maybe your technicians or product or project project uh, program managers, those kinds of folks, asking them about their emotional um, engagements, I guess, as they're either dealing with a product or dealing with other people. That's a great source of information in terms of what you just said about marketing you could be doing. Um, that's a great place to mine for information about like how your customers are actually engaging with your company and how, um, how the products are being made and what you might want your customers to know about that.
0: Nice. I, first of all, I really appreciate you bringing the conversation back to those internal stories that we we started with um, and, and those hints about where to look for information inside your own stories. Do you have any examples of those or other company stories that you've seen that resonate with you?
1: Yeah, I pulled up two for this and I'll send you the links. Um, one is from... Um, Charles River Laboratories, and they have a couple of, um, these are videos, so they're, you know, easy to absorb, Um, but really great examples. So one is about a, um, about lung cancer treatments, and basically the, the, the quick synopsis of this story is they've, starting really with a patient, her name is Ginger, and she's a singer. So, you know, as, Devastating as lung cancer is for anyone, if you're a singer, it's just a you know a, a whole other thing that I can't even really imagine. So, I talk about ginger, but then they're bringing in so many aspects of of how ginger treatment comes about, and so you've got um, all, all different folks from um, oncology professionals to you know her treatment team, ginger herself, and Everybody is, um, you, you really get the sense that there's a lot of transparency there, both for Ginger and her, I mean, you know, she's she doesn't know what's going to happen, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. there are doubts, even though she's got, you know, this top of the line team with her, she does have her doubts about, you know, what's going to happen. But then you even have, you know, a, a senior medical director at AstraZeneca saying, you know, if this doesn't work, you know, in these kinds of cases, if it doesn't work, then there's a The rest of the options are really nasty and unpleasant, you know, and like even right there, that little line, that is a lot of transparency, you know, they could have easily said, you know, this is very, a lot of other true things, right, about how test, how well tested it was and how there's a lot of optimism and this and that. But they decided to take another route and say, you know, that, yeah, you know, we, we hope it'll work. Because if it doesn't, it's a really nasty alternative, you know, and we're assuming it wasn't um, as you're watching because they probably wouldn't want to tell that story. Um, But but then there's even more. They've got everybody. um, And this was kind of a bigger budget thing. But just just to think about stretching your mind in terms of where you can go with your transparency. So you know, in the end, all the all the folks are meeting at a uh, a meeting in Austria. There's like a larger medical convention going on and, and they get together. And a lot of people who have been working on Ginger's therapy and with her or whatever, they all meet together in a room. And I don't um, I don't want to make a spoiler, but it's a, it's a very dramatic and emotional way they they get together eventually. And but even that right there is just showing the so many faces of people who are involved in this process for this person. That's you know that right there is you know we don't just have somebody in a lab coat. And we and, you know we've got all the different people who are working on different things, and not everyone's identified. But we can we can see visually, just how many folks it takes for this kind of thing to happen. And I think that's a great example of transparency on many levels. Transparency of the emotions involved for very many characters, but 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 then on a more subtle level, just the transparency of the process without saying, well, first we did this, and then we did that, and then we did that, the way you and I, you know, just talked about a minute ago. They were able to to get the details of the process in there without just kind of laying them out. You know, and like a like an instruction. Yeah,
0: way. it's show don't tell. I suspect that the person who made that video has been a guest on this podcast, but I won't say it in case I'm wrong, because uh, I don't want to give oh, credit to okay. the wrong person. <laughs> but I think I know who did that. Um, and so that's one example. Do you? What's the other one?
1: The other one is actually outside of life sciences, and this was um, I'll send you this one too. Um, this is. Uh, Domino's pizza from back when the Flossom thing had kind of taken off. And um, <laughs> they s- basically just are talking about how people were hating their pizza and saying it tasted like cardboard. And they, they lead with that. And so in that, they're saying, okay, we the market is telling us that we've got a problem and we've decided to respond. And I would say for the most part, um, they do a pretty good job here. So they lay out the problem from the beginning you know, they've got um, the CEO up there and he's more polished than a lot of the other people, but that's fine. You know, that's that's fine, because then they've also got some of the people actually making the pizzas. And so they're saying, here's the problem. We had to deal with it. It was a hard pill to swallow. And they're showing that it's a hard pill to swallow by having folks, both executive folks and people at the the retail level. um, either watching or reading the comments. They're like watching focus groups or or reading comments and, and watch. So we get to see them react to the negative criticism. And I mean, that is, it's very, you feel for them, you know? So it's almost, you, you start championing for uh, Domino's because you see, oh my gosh, like this isn't, this isn't, this isn't just fast food. This is somebody's life. They're showing up to work thinking they're doing a good job and they're seeing a lot of criticism. And you can you can see that it hurts. You can see that. Um, and then they, you know, kind of show the process of how they, what they've done with the ingredients and whatnot to, to fix it. Um, but I thought that was a really great example of um, one of those points that I had made in the article about Okay, when was a time in the company when we realized that we had a problem and we needed to make a change? And how do you how do you get through that? So again, this does also give transparency about the process. You know, they took a look at what exactly the criticisms were, and here were all the pieces that they felt that they needed to change. Um, from this, looking at this video, it was, just, it was just about everything. They basically needed same product with all completely different pieces. Um, but I, I think, again, just in, encouraging folks to see how you can be transparent about your process and about the emotions in a compelling way. Um, that, that's a great example to look to. So I'll send you that one also. Fantastic!
0: I like both of those examples. So in the first example, you know, it's a big company and they're just showing how many people it takes to, to make the result. And they're doing a show, not a tell. And, and then I love that you go outside the life sciences, um, I'm always a big fan of that. And you think who has sympathy for Domino's? Everybody knows their pizza tastes like cardboard, right? But that's the basis of the thing. <laughs> so first of all, it's hard for a company who's been making cardboard pizza. And honestly, I used to be a huge fan when I was in college um, Yeah, it, because it was just so simple. Um, how do you make a pivot when it's been the same? So Here's an opportunity for them to say, "Well, we are going to change," and and that's probably going to rattle some people. So let's let everybody know this is going to happen. And then the best part of what you said there was, you know, what the guys that make pizza at Domino's they do have feelings, you know. Shock, yeah, shocking! Yeah, I know, right? Because you just think it's just somebody shows up and throws the dough in the oven, but it's not. They do when <laughs> <They, laughs> right. you get right down to it. If they have to read all those comments. It it would hurt, and um, so then you become invested in their su- success for that person. I mean, I, I can't imagine like how um, powerful that could be to say, "Oh, now I'm rooting for the guy that's making my Domino's pizza. I'll give them another try."
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I'll trust right, right? because that's you know what what we've been talking about. I have, you know they've you're re-engaging folks with, with a level of trust that like okay, if you come back in here, you know, well, first of all, you may walk back in because you've seen the message, you've seen what they've gone through, and you're trusting that they at least tried, and it's worth your time to go in there and try and, and you know engage with that company again and spend your money right. there. so you know that that's really huge. Um, about that first video, um it was the Linus group that yeah. did that did that video. Um, okay. So you've had them. I, they're just, yeah. They're Joanna,
0: who I think um, I've heard about the Charles river story, but I honestly, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs>
1: I confess. Oh, okay. that well, you'll see it. it's good. Joanna it's good. has been
0: on here. We talked about storytelling, I don't know, a year and a half or so ago. Um, yeah. And she's oh, okay. obviously an awesome filmmaker. So she knows that's her thing. And she knows how to do that really, really well. Oh, okay. So it's something we should all very aspire cool. to. Um, well, jennifer oladipo it's uh great to have you again where um where can people go to learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you
1: yeah so my um website is x editorial so like the letter x editorial um, dot com, and uh, jenniferoladipo.com will also get you there but You know, good luck spelling it right. (laughs) So I just, (laughs) X editorial is good. And then um, I am also on LinkedIn at um, Jennifer Oladipo. But yeah, that's where just uh, a little more of that B2B stuff is. And um, this has been really fun. It's great to talk with you again. I appreciate you having me back on.
0: Yeah, I really love this conversation. I'm so glad we got back in touch. Um, I will put links. We're going to have a lot of links in this episode. We got Mark Schaefer's blog post, your article, um, two videos that you referenced, and your massive profile on LinkedIn and your website. (laughs) So lots of links so people can soak it all up. So thanks again so much for coming back.
1: Thanks, Chris. Have a great day.
0: Yeah, you too. I hope you'll watch the videos we talked about in this episode. You can find both of them embedded in the show notes. They're quite different from each other, which is great because they show the full spectrum of possibilities. And coincidentally, Hamid Ganadan, founder of the Linus Group that produced the Charles River film, will be on the next episode in two weeks, so make sure you come back for that. He's going to talk about catalytic experiences, but what you do and how you take an experience like that Charles River film and then make something happen from it because it's one thing to make people feel an emotional connection to your company. It's another thing to get them to do something about it. If you appreciate the stories I'm telling here, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It's very much appreciated. I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.